Good morning. Welcome to this assembly. Please have your Bible ready in the book of Acts chapter 8. While you're turning to Acts chapter 8, you're invited back at 5 p.m. I'll be dealing with how Jesus exhibited endurance according to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and the application from 1 Peter chapter 4. Please visit our website, lhmacallan.org, and share that website with your friends. Our studies in the Gospel of John continue Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Brief audio podcasts based on the Gospel of John are available on our website and through various podcast providers to listen to on your phone or your device at a time that you choose. Now this morning, I'm returning to a series I'm delivering one Sunday morning a month this year, and I call it, It's What Christians Do. It's based on the book of Acts. In January, attention was given to the phrase in Acts 2.42, they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. In February, Christians stick together. They help each other. They form local groups. In March, how Christians shared with other Christians in time of disaster and need. In April, what it means to praise and worship God in life and collectively when we come here. In May, preaching the gospel. Now this series is based on this premise. The book of Acts not only tells us what to do to be saved, it tells us what people who were saved did. May I repeat? The book of Acts not only tells us what to do to be saved, it tells us what people who were saved, did. They spread the message. They told others about the Savior and how to respond to Him. They praised God. They assembled together to take the Lord's Supper as we did today. They went through the activities of discipleship day by day in their relationships. We have punctuated this study this year by saying it's what Christians do. This morning, we're going to consider one of the first things new Christians do. One of the first things new Christians do. Initially, Christians do this. After being baptized, Christians continue to do this. And to introduce this, I need to read Acts 8, 26 through 40. Be listening for one of the first things Christians do. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is what we call a case of conversion. There are many of them in the book of Acts, and they inform us about what preaching the gospel means and they inform us about what people did in response to preaching the gospel. So this man came from Ethiopia. He's called the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was on his way home from Jerusalem. He had heard about Jesus, and he was reading from the prophecy of Isaiah, and Philip was sent. They read and studied together. And the man obeyed the gospel. He was baptized for the remission of sins. This is a case of conversion. Here's a man who heard about Jesus, made the choice to come out of sin into fellowship with God through the activity of his faith. Now, what is the response when you hear of a conversion? You may be familiar with Luke 15, 20, that there is joy in heaven over the repentance of one sinner. One person saved from sin, now on a life journey with God toward heaven. There is no greater joy. 
But if it is our joy, if we rejoice to hear about a person becoming a Christian, what about the person, the convert? Look with me at verse 39. In this case, the converted man, the Ethiopian eunuch, what does it say of him? One of his first acts as a Christian, he went on his way rejoicing. It's what Christians do. When we hear the gospel and we obey Christ, we get up from the waters of baptism with joy. What can be said of that? I want you to consider with me from the Bible this morning four features of this joy that is embraced by Christians. Number one, this joy is a product. Acts 8.39 teaches that. When the man from Ethiopia obeyed the gospel, that activity of his faith in Christ produced a result. Joy. I should not think of joy as something that stands alone, that is untethered, unattached to anything else. This joy is a product, a delight. It is a great feeling that you are now living your life with God through Jesus Christ. This is not an emotion that you work up out of some inner vapor or pressure or self-induced energy. This is an attitude of comfort, happiness that is not earthly. It is based on the fact that you have entered relationship with God and all the assurance that's involved as you continue that relationship. Joy, the joy of a Christian is a product. It is a result. In those passages in the New Testament that speak of the joy of being a Christian, that joy always comes after the activity of faith and is sustained by the activity of faith. It's a result of the activity of faith. One responds to God. And as the blessings of being in Christ are appreciated and thought about and continued in, we rejoice. The result is joy. For instance, consider the joy of the relief of forgiveness. I'm turning to the 32nd Psalm in the Old Testament. I'm turning to Psalms 32. Here's something very simple. When you do wrong and you know it, you have sinned against God. The Word of God has convicted you of that sin. Perhaps also, you have not treated people right. So there's been immorality, lying, and impulsive insult, a bad attitude, indifference toward God and people. Whatever the specifics, when you've sinned against God and you know it and you own it, there is a deep uneasiness of conscience inside. You are upset with yourself. 
you're disappointed. The guilt is nagging and painful. And the only thing you want is, and the only thing you want to hear and know is, all is forgiven. You can have that forgiveness in only one way. And that's to turn from your sin to God. When you have that forgiveness, a load is taken off and joy is restored. In the 32nd Psalm, I'm reading verses 1 through 6 about David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For, David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you can be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. Well, you can hear David through those words. And I remind you that in Jeremiah and in Hebrews, there is this comforting statement about God's forgiveness. Your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. The joy of knowing that you have repented, you have returned to God, and your sins are forgiven. The rejoicing of this Ethiopian man was the joy of a new beginning. I'm turning to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We have recently been through what might be called the graduation season of the year. After years of academic effort... Reading, papers, classes, tests. Young people reach that great benchmark and they receive that diploma. There is a newness about their celebration. There is ahead for them good things, a career, further studies, a new level of adult living. Well, when you leave sin and you partake of the value of the atoning blood of Christ, there is a newness to be embraced that creates the greatest kind of joy and celebration. And I'm reading about that in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Does that sound good? Walking in newness of life. What a blessing from God that says through the gospel, you can change. You can start over. You can get out of those dark places of sin and you can walk a new life. I'll tell you what that is. It's a joy producer. It's a joy producer. And if I stifle this joy or let the devil rob me of it, I am either defeated altogether or stuck in spiritual adolescence. Joy is a product. He went on his way rejoicing. It's what Christians do. It is the joy that is produced and sustained by hope. I'm turning to 1 Peter chapter 1. It is a joy that is produced and sustained by hope. Described here in 1 Peter chapter 1 starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfaded, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice... In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing, uh, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Joy is written all over that page. And we discover here, that even in time of trial and pain and heartache, you may not be laughing and smiling, but you know something. You are convinced there's a good outcome. Reserved in heaven for you. See, this joy is an underlying attitude that you keep with you all the time. Knowing that you belong to God. James wrote about it in James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's what Christians do. The joy, Luke tells us, the Ethiopian man had. 
is a product of a good relationship with God, knowing we are forgiven in Christ, having opportunity granted by God to walk in newness of life, kept and sustained with the hope of heaven. It's what Christians do. It is our attitude of mind. In Psalms 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Of faithful Christians, in Hebrews chapter 10, it was said, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Finally, I want to warn us. Don't let Satan kill your joy. He will not pull the trigger and kill your joy all at once in, in a single moment or second. Joy is gone, no, but gradually in the use of his subtle ways, Satan can kill your joy. Guard against that. Satan can get in your head if you let him. He can accumulate worry and disappointment and bitterness. He can slip the world in between the cracks. Satan wants you to be bored with what we do here. He wants you to be critical of good people who are doing their best. Satan wants us to be so disgusted with the generate, degeneration of society that we become unpleasant and depressed and inactive. One of Satan's weapons is to gradually put us in position so that our joy is slowly eroded. Guard against that. Once the joy of being a Christian is gone, the activity of being a Christian slows to a crawl and then stops. Read the book of Philippians. Remember that it was written by a man under a heavy load of hostile persecution, soon to give his life for the cause, yet no bitterness when he wrote to the Philippians and the Colossians, all through Philippians, what did he say? Over and over again, every chapter, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. It's what Christians do. That joy endured and embraced and kept can better equip you for good discipleship here on earth, leading to the anticipated reality of rest in heaven where your joy will be perfected. Do you want to have that ultimate joy 
in heaven. Jesus died for you to have it. What is required is your response. If you recognize that God is above all, that the Bible is His Word, Christ is the Son of God, sin is the problem, but you can be redeemed by the blood. <clears throat> the apostles said, hearing that message, believe in Christ, repent of your, your sins, confess your faith, and be baptized like the Ethiopian man, you go on your way rejoicing, living faithfully <clears throat> before God. If you need to do that now, do it while we stand together and while we sing.